Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org forward slash resources. Come on, let's, uh, well, I got a word burning in me that um, I don't know if, um, if you've been, if you watch the news, I, I kind of, I do, all right? I like to see what's going on. And, and uh, last night, Judge Janine was on. She comes on Saturday night, and it has been a rough few weeks with all of the increase of backbiting, name-calling, accusations, finding uh, members of the cabinet, even uh, at this point, Sarah Sanders was in a restaurant this week, and uh, we got Congresswoman uh, just declaring we ought to go out and harass people, all the Trump reporters and supporters, and, and I just... I just thought of that scripture in Timothy that says, we're living in the last days when there's going to be a whole lot of slander and tearing down and prideful arrogance. And, and I just, uh, so the message this morning is we ought to be a different people. We ought to be approaching this thing different. All of us can repent for the things we sometimes say. But I just want to pray, Lord, this morning, I ask that you'd bring truth. I, I like what Lisa said about Jesus is a God of grace, but he was also, he told the truth. There was times when he called them whitewashed tombs, vipers. Lord, we're not asking that we politically correct things, but we're asking for your truth and your revelation, that we would live as a different people in this season, in this era that we're in. So I ask for your truth this morning, Holy Spirit, that you bring the revelation of that through your word. Your word is full of living power. We ask that it would equip us now. So, Holy Spirit, constrain that which should not be said, but open up our hearts and our minds to receive the words that change us, transforming the way we think that we might do and live as a pleasing people before you. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you look at the title of the sermon outline, there's two scriptures. I just, I just wrote down the scriptures. It says, take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Do you know who said that? Which psalmist? It was David. He also wrote this one in the next Psalm 1914. It says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, in your sight. Interesting, it says, the words that are coming out of my mouth and even the meditation stuff that's going on in here, would you accept them? Would they be acceptable? Would you agree, Lord, with the words that are coming out of this and also what's going on in here? David, both Psalms there kind of declares, he's asking the Lord to take control, and then he's saying, let my words. Well, if we... Let me ask you a couple of questions that kind of get us anchored down here and get on the same page. No, I didn't, sweetie. We're going to do it at the end with communion. Thank you, Catherine. My little organizer, she organizes me well all the time. Doesn't forget anything. All right, let me ask this question. Where do the words that come out of your mouth, where do they originate from? So, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, correct? 
So one of the ways you can find out what's really going on in your heart is what's coming out of your mouth. And I really want to ask you, what's coming out of your mouth when nobody's looking or you're under a stress point, when things are at that place where, yeah, I don't have to be all dressed up for church. That's the kind of stuff that really is a measure of the, the attitude and the health, actually, of what's going on in your heart. What is the definition of your heart besides the thing that pumps blood? What is the heart? Spirit man, the mind, the will, the emotions, it's the inner core of making what makes you up. And so when he says, what is in your heart, it's that inner portion of who you are. So I want to set this in motion. Let's take a look at some scriptures to kind of clarify this, what Jesus said about it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 12, and let's begin, uh, let's start in verse 33. Matthew 12 and verse 33, I may bounce between King James, the word for word, and the New Living Translation, thought for thought. Let me start with the the New Living Translation. In Matthew 12 and verse 33, Jesus, red letter, writes this. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of snakes. (laughs) Wow. Hello, that'll get... How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? You ought to just say on that. He calls them evil men. And for some reason, they were speaking good. For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day. For every idle word you speak, the words you say will either acquit you or they will condemn you. There's a whole lot in this if we unpack it, really tear it down. First of all, he speaks of a particular judgment day that will be an accounting of what has come out of our mouth. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe, I would hope, the day that you got saved and we became what 1 Corinthians says is a new creature in Christ, behold, the old things have passed away and everything has now become new, I would hope at that moment there was a transition of the way you speak and also the things that you did and also the things that you pursue or even think about. It may be transformational. We know he says he starts from the beginning, he says in Philippians 1, 6, he began a work in us and he's performing it. But there ought to be a place. I was, I'll be transparent with you. I was a believer. I, was, I had just become a believer. I was an operations manager at one of the nuclear submarine sites in upstate New York. And I was a training manager over a new facility. And I had a whole bunch of uh, young enlisted men. And I was training them on a nuclear uh, class. And, you know, when you're hanging around sailors, I, I'd been in the Merchant Marine, I, I had salty language. It was just kind of the way we communicated. It was part of that, right? And so the word went out that uh, the operations manager uh, got saved. And so I, would, uh, I wasn't shy about my faith at all, right? And I was in a, an influential position as a manager. And so the guys on the off-all operations area, they had all these playboys stacked in 
back shift, they would go and they would read them. Well, the first thing I went to, I cleaned out that place. And they wanted to know who threw away their entertainment magazines. Well, the boss did. So the word was out. Well, I'm teaching this class, and I'm using a lot of salty language interspersed. And at the end of this, everybody had gone to their class, had left the classroom. And this one third-class petty, third petty officer stayed by. He said, Mr. Hauser, excuse me, uh, permission to speak freely? I said, sure, go ahead. He goes, I thought you were a Christian. I said, I am. He goes, you'd never know it by your language. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. The Holy Spirit whacked me right then and there. Do you know from that moment on, I have done my best. It is there's rare. Even when I hit my thumb with a hammer, I got convicted that day that, you know what, there, there ought to be something. It's not just the control. You can be real politically correct, and there's good that people that are real good at manipulation saying what they want to say and how to say it. Now, I'm not talking about the politically correct words there. I'm talking about what's really going on in here. There was a, at that moment, there was a conviction in this man's heart that says, whoa, if I'm not modeling and testimony to what is being said, then I'm damaging my testimony. And so, he talks about the words of our heart that are expressed through our mouth. So, let's look at another Scripture. Turn with me just a few pages to the right to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 and verse, I feel somebody's getting really convicted right now, <laughs> but hey, probably all of us, right? Because even if you're not using a whole lot of salty language, there's probably things that we say. In Matthew 15, beginning in verse 8, Jesus again says, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. For they teach man-made ideas and commands. They're man-made, they're not from God. Then Jesus called the crowd to come and to listen. Try to understand, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and they asked, Don't you realize that you're offending the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus said, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind. And if the blind person guides another, both of them are going to fall in a ditch. Then Peter said to Jesus, explain this to us, these parables. What do you mean aren't defiled by what they eat? Don't you understand yet, Jesus asked? Anything that you eat passes through the stomach and goes to the sewer. But the words you speak, they come from a heart that's what defiles you. From what the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. That's what defiles you. Eating with unwashed hands, it never defiles you. So he reiterates that again. Let's turn one more scripture back, kind of laying the foundation to Proverbs chapter 4. Read a Proverbs a day. It's just loaded with a tremendous amount of wisdom for life. But I like this particular one. It's jammed with, you could send a whole sermon on this one. But let's pick up in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Let me read the King James verse. It says, My son, attend to my words and incline your ears to my saying. Let them not depart from your eyes. I want you to notice the body parts here. 
Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your, thine own heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee the forward mouth and the lips that are put far from thee. Let your eyes look right on and let your eyelids look straight before you. Pender the path of your, ponder the fat path of your feet and let thy ways be established. Turn not to the left nor to the right and keep your foot from evil. Here's what the New Living says. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing of their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now look at it. He talks about the words, the mouth, the eyes, the feet. If you say guard your heart, why don't you picture this? Suppose there was a protective guard around your spiritual heart. What he's saying is open the gate and let the words of faith, let the words of truth come into your heart. But the stuff that you watch, the people you walk with where your path and your feet go, the things that you put your eyes to, the things that are allowed to come in here, those things will defile you and they will contaminate and they will destroy the very issues of your heart. And that's what's going on right now in our society. It is really rampant. I, I've been around a while, but I have never seen, I've seen a lot of political stuff going down, but I'll tell you what, I believe we are now living in the day that Paul warned his son Timothy about. So let's, let's turn there for a minute. I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 about the warnings of the last days. I want you to look at several things here, but they're rooted in pride. But I want you to see slander and the destruction of other people's character is one of the marks of people running their mouth and saying things about others that one, let me give you a definition. I've got it there. If you look at your outline for a minute, slander is making a false spoken statement damaging a person's reputation. So it is a deliberately false statement to injure and wound someone. Now, a lot of times when things start running, every one of us has been either guilty of it or have been a, a recipient of some form of slander. And it might be rooted in some truth, but usually not. And its purpose is to destroy. Gossip is the casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed to being true. So slander and gossip, the, the Scriptures, I, I did a word study, and I pulled up 15 pages of gossip and slander that are from the Scriptures. You don't think it's a big deal in God's eyes? Guess what? It really is. And so just, just go ahead, look up gossip, and just see how many times it comes up, and you'll be amazed. Jesus really came after this thing. And if you look at Timothy, he warns us in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, the danger of the last days. And that's why I believe what we're seeing in the environment right now is an indication 
both of what Jesus warned and what Paul warned. You should know this, verse 1, Timothy, in the last days, it's going to be very difficult times. People will, will love only themselves. Now, who are we supposed to love? Right? Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. Well, they love themselves. They love their money. They're boastful and they're prideful. They're proud. They scoff at God. We, if you've been here the last four Wednesday nights, wasn't Walter Goey amazing to, I mean, many of us just like, whoa. I think we're going to have him back in the fall. But he showed the statistics of the falling away of faith and what's happening. Ever since he showed statistically some amazing things, ever since they took prayer out of the schools in 1962, the degradation of our society, the breakdown of the family, the breakdown of religion, the number of people going to church, it's at this place where we're in a sliding slope. And he warns us, he says, they'll be proudful, they'll be scoffing at God, disobedient to parents, they're ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They'll be unloving, unforgiving. That's what Jesus also said. We'll read in Matthew 24. They will slander others, and they will have no self-control. They'll be cruel. They'll hate what's good. They'll betray their friends. They'll be reckless. They're puffed up with pride. They will love pleasures rather than God. They'll act religious, but they'll reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So when you look at the sign of the last days and some of the promises that Jesus said, remember in Matthew 24, he said, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Well, what, what's causing the coldness? How do we, it's almost like sometimes you can't even watch the news. I can't watch some of it because it's so biased. It's so hateful. It's so destructive. It's like, man, I just, I just can't listen to it anymore. So, but there's a time where I want to know what's going on. So I, I, I do listen and I try to get up to speed on what's happening. But I believe what's happening right now is a dangerous tipping point in our society. No longer can we have a rational discourse on, a, on disagreements. If Milton and I might disagree on a point, even if it's spiritual, we can, uh, we can debate this thing. We can rationalize. I can show the script. We can do this. And we can say, Mel, I still love you, even though you're wrong, buddy. You know, right? right? We agree to disagree at that point. Now, not about fact, truth. I mean, there's things that are, Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. There's no compromise about that, right? We, we will not deny. But there are places it's great. Remember well, a couple of months back we had, come and let's debate. Those who are one, believe in once saved, always saved, come sit over here. And those who believe you can lose your salvation, come sit over here. And those who don't know for sure, sit right here in the middle. And then we had a debate back and forth. And then those, those who want to change your mind, come over. Well, the point is, there's Scripture on both sides of that. You, I don't know what camp you come from. The good news is Jesus saves. And if I'm His and marked by the blood, I'm in, right? And so, so we can agree to disagree on, sir, but this civil discord, it's not happening anymore. And it's at a place where our society could unravel in some places. We've already seen some of the threats that are going on. When Judge Jeanine walks down the street, and because she's a conservative woman, they attack her. Pam Bondi, the attorney general of Florida, was accosted in a, in a movie theater this week. They followed. They were trying. Some big guys accosted her and her boyfriend, and they were trying to get in her face, trying to provoke a fight. This attorney general of, of Florida. 
They were in the, they wanted to get arrested. It's, it's really, really sad what's happening at the moment. Now, one, we need to pray for civil discourse that we'll be able to, we ought to be able to agree. We're not going to be uh, quiet about our faith, right? We're not ashamed of the gospel. Jesus said, you bunch of vipers, you don't understand. He warned us, be careful of the leaven of Herod. Remember a few months ago I preached about be careful of two political and religious systems. One was the beware of the leaven of Herod. That's the political system. That's what Trump would call the swamp, right? And be careful of the pharisaical leaven, which is the religious spirit that looks all religious but doesn't really have the love of Christ in here. And so, and the reality is all of us need to be careful. If there's anybody sitting here thinking, yeah, that's right, Pastor, be careful. There's times when I have spoken against leaders that I should not have spoken, opened my mouth. Now, there may be times when we can, we can agree on policy. I make no bones about certain principles. I believe abortion is murder, right? I believe that men ought to marry a woman, right? Those are principles from Scripture that I will declare that that is truth. And if that offends you, I'm sorry, but that's what I see in Scripture. Now, the other areas, Lord, we, we can debate. One saved, always saved. All right. But I'm not going to compromise on the Scripture. You can't get me to wink at that. I'm not. I love you even though I'm concerned for your lack of faith by what you see in that Scripture. And I'll argue with you and debate with you, but at the end of this thing, I still need to love you. And guess what? You still got to love me. You don't have to like me, but you better love me because the book says you're supposed to, right? And so I had people come this last week. There was this whole debate about slander. It says, have you looked at some of the things that are on Facebook? And I go, I'm not on Facebook, praise God, because I'd probably have to really work on my heart. Well, you ought to look at what's in there. There's things that have been said. And I said, no, I don't, I don't need to. I'm not going there. And so when we look at this reports from the news media, let's look at what are the signs of our times. Summarize, one, the reports that are going on right now are just crazy. When the press secretary can't go to a restaurant with her family and her children without the owner saying, I'm not serving you because you work for Trump. Then they run her off, and then they follow her down the street and continue to harass. That is not civil. That is not right. That is, there's something wrong in the process there. The false accusation and the character assassination there's so much of that that's going on right now, and unfortunately, social media makes it so simple. Maybe call me old-fashioned, but when you are on social media and you're tweeting and you're Facebook and all this stuff, and you're shooting out accusations and comments about other people, and you've lost the interaction, if I've got an issue with you, I like human interaction. I've got to look you in the face. I'm picking on you this morning, but I love you, my brother. <laughs> You're just sitting here all, if I have to do human interaction, I'm going to look you in the face and it's going to be a relational thing that I have to talk about. We, as Whereas if I'm back on Facebook, Milton, you're really all, you know. So I believe that we have destroyed some of the interaction. As positive as some of that media is, it also is very, very destructive. 
And so we need to be careful about what we're interrelating on in these social media face-to-face things that uh, I, I, promote, I would promote face-to-face interaction. Well, let's look at what the Lord hates. How about that? Wouldn't that be good to know? Turn with me to Proverbs. This is strong language. I looked it up. He hates this. Now, if the Lord hates it, watch out. It actually says he hates it, then there's another Greek word, detests it. He hates it, and he detests it, and he lists it. In Proverbs chapter 6, let's begin in verse 16. Proverbs 6, 16. These things the Lord hates, yea, seven that are an abomination. New Living Translation says, there are six things the Lord hates, and there are actually seven things that He detests. Be good to know what those are, right? Haughty eyes. He just doesn't like pride. When you think you're all that in a slice of bread, He doesn't like that, right? And that goes back to the end times prophecy of what's this prideful arrogance. He says he doesn't like haughty eyes. He doesn't like a lying tongue. He doesn't like hands that kill the innocent. King James says that sheds innocent blood. Woe to them. A heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord among the brethren. I was talking last night to a pastor's wife downtown from another church, and we were just chatting, and she says, you know, she's had a real trial in the church they've been in with gossip, and so I said, you know, I'm preaching on gossip, slander, and the Word, and all the things going on in the media, and she goes, it's awful. What's running up my heart's been hurt. People saying things that we've run with them for years, and what is this? There's so much destruction in the body of our church right now because of all the running mouth loss. Really, unfortunately, I know that one. Been there. (laughs) I got too many T-shirts around that one. But I said, let's look at the positive side of this. Remember in Psalm 133, he says this, the Lord commands a blessing when brethren dwell together in unity. That doesn't say agreement, but we're unified. We're unified around a purpose, around a vision. He commands. The Lord actually speaks a blessing over unity. Take a family. What would happen if our families wouldn't speak evil of one another? Our businesses, our schools, our church. Because what happens in disunity happens, the, the other side of it is in unity. When we're commanded to, in unif- not agreement, but when we're unified around purpose, God says, I want to pray a blessing over them. But when you start running discord, that's why he hates it. When we start discording one another, start calling out things on one another, he hates it. Because none of us, including me, are perfect. I, lo- I love you, Pat. But I know that's not true. My wife wasn't feeling well. She's not here. She'd tell you different. But So there's this place where what do we do when we have disagreements? You know, family drama, I was, someone was recently just sharing where they went and visited family, and 
And they were like, oh, my gosh, there's so much drama. I said, welcome to family life. If there's no drama in your family, just wait. <laughs> right? Jesus said, offenses will come. It's impossible. He says, it's impossible that offenses won't come. Why is that? I thought we all love Jesus. We're all going to heaven together. And because you're not finished, nor am I. We're not a finished work yet. So when he says he hates these things, we ought to take notice. Well, let's flip to the positive. So, Pastor, what do we do then? <laughs> well, I love what Paul writes in, in Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, and we'll begin maybe in verse 17, I think. Let's see here. He tells us to live as children of the light. I like that. It's titled right above verse 17, Ephesians 4, 17, living as children of the light. Are you children of the light? Is the light in you? Is it reflecting on others? Are you a reflector of that light? living as children of the light. With the Lord's authority, Paul says, I say, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander from the life that God gives because they have closed their minds and they have hardened their hearts. There it is again. Against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus, you have learned the truth that comes from Him. Throw off. I like that word. It says discard. Throw off the old sinful nature and the former ways of your life, which is corrupted by lust and by deception. Instead, let the Spirit Renew your thoughts and your attitudes and put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Boy, that would be why. I, I, when I do prayer ministry, there's some folks that have compulsive lying and they want to be free of that stronghold. And you can look at the origins of where that came from. They said, look, I just, I just don't want to be a liar. Well, he hates liars. So I said, why don't you do this? Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to never let you lie again? Even if it means you're going to get in trouble by covering it up. You're going to get in trouble either way. <laughs> Who do you want to get in trouble with? Right? So these, these compulsive lies, Lord, he says, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we're all our parts of the same body. Don't let sin, this is wild, Terry and I often, Pastor Terry and I deal with this one. Don't let sin or anger get control of you, and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for that gives a foothold to the devil. I think it was Terry got offended with me one day, and I said, Terry, you can't be angry with me. He goes, I have till sundown. I said, okay, well, that's biblical, but let's get together before the sun goes down. <laughs> I love Terry because he comes. He's straightforward. He just he doesn't let it hang out there. He just let, let here's what I'm seeing. And I, I like that. I mean, it it works. We're going to look at that in Matthew 18. So he says, 
Don't let the sun, because it gives a foothold. You know what? If you stew on an issue, you ruminate on that thing, pretty soon you got it all justified. And even worse, when you start running your mouth to somebody else, now you've just entered into gossip and slander, and you're now defiling the other person, sliming him by the person you're telling him about. And so now you got a double jeopardy going on. And it is both non-biblical. And so this is this place where don't give the foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, stop stealing. There's another one. Instead, use your hands to do hard work and give generously to the needs of others. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Wow, what would happen if we had a family in a church full of people that only spoke good and helpful? And every time you try to say, oh, Let your words be an encouragement for those who hear them. Look at this one, verse 30. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. King James says it this way. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by where you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Think of it this way. The Holy Spirit who lives in you, you're a born-again believer. If you start living or speaking or seeing or doing, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, now, you may feel it as conscience, unless your conscience has been seared, and you keep doing that practice. Eventually, the conscience within you gets hard-hearted, and you no longer... Remember the first time you messed up? It's like, oh! Then it got easier and easier and easier. That's the seared conscience of the hardened heart. He says, be careful. You go there. I can't believe some of the things people that I walked with, served with, pastors who've allowed themselves in that place, and now they're no longer serving God. They've actually denied faith. It's very, it's, it's a scary place. It just, and it starts out as a progressive bitterness, resentment, anger stuff can be, or a sin pattern. Thank you, Katie. When we look at this, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Remember, he identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you would be saved to the day of redemption. So get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as you are all types of these evil behaviors. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Living as children of the light. And he also says in Ephesians 5, you can just look down a little page there, it says in verse 15, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. We could say law on that one. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Here's one. Um, last night downtown, Street Angels was about, we're praying for people. There was a lady who had been struggling with cancer, another one of the, the walking by, and we had two brides. Katie was getting ready to share. Just as Katie's getting ready to share, here comes a bride in a perfect gown, and she wanted to be on the steps by the fountain. They open up her total gown, and she's standing, and it's beautiful, and it's like, Katie says, that's just God, like God with the bride of Christ. I mean, it was a beautiful bride right there in the middle. It was like it was choreographed for us. 
She did get ministered to? Oh, my. We had two brides there. They were walking by, and the, at one point, I met a, a, there was a lady from um, Catch the Fire, Raleigh, was down, another lady from New Jersey who happens to be a Randy Clark, uh, their church is part of Randy Clark, walked up and saw Katie, says, I know you from Voice of the Apostles, Randy Clark. She goes, yeah, and I've been ministering to so many of the Catch the Fire staff, right? They've been coming down for prayer ministry. So like, we walked downtown, had no idea, walked downtown and could feel the anointing coming off the street. And we just followed the words. And then they got, of course, they see Katie. Everybody knows Katie, right? And she introduced me. This is my dad. He says, so be careful how you live. Live by the Spirit of God. He knows what's going on in your heart. Let me tell a quick story. I hope I don't gross anybody out, but just tough it out, okay? There's a story in this. Some of you may know we're farm sitting. My daughter, Laura, and my son-in-law, they're out in San Diego. His uh, sister's gotten married. And and so for two weeks, we're farm sitting. They got 35 acres in Bergaw, and they've been trying to do some of the lawn work with a lawn tractor, but they've let the fields go, and I'm not exaggerating. Some of the stuff is six and a half feet tall. So I tried cutting one. I said, well, all right, we're going to get this. My wife's been out. We got, we got animals. Uh, we need more than that. And, and uh, so we've been taking care of, we got uh, Moses and Aaron are the little kitties. They just adopted two days before they left. They decided we should, we should have them at the farm. They're going to be rat killers. And uh, so they got them from the pound. They got the shots. They're spayed. I mean, so we got Moses and Aaron. They, they're there. Then we got a dozen ducks. We have... The two female goats have now delivered two twins, right? So Mary and Martha have now got twins, right? Bless the shepherds, Lord. Uh, Wow. We have uh, 18 uh, chickens. The coyotes have been visiting at times, so we've got to keep them locked down. Got to collect all the eggs. Many of you have gotten some of the organic eggs that have been coming out. Of it. Then we got to go to the garden and we got to harvest all the fruit and everything from the garden. We have more than enough. And then we got the dogs. We've got, I know I'm forgetting. Oh, turkeys. We have Thanksgiving, Christmas, and turkey. <laughs> because they don't want the kids to get attached. But they wanted me to get the fields ready because they're getting two cows. So here I am. I'm cutting. I break the lawnmower, okay? It's not designed for this thing. This Husqvarna, I'm sorry, it's just not. So I go down to the local tractor store, and I said, what can you give me for this thing? It needs repairs. And he says, man, you need a Dixie Chopper. I said, what is a Dixie Chopper? Come here. So I buy a Dixie Chopper. This thing is a mean machine. Man, you got to be careful. I ended up twice in the ditch. This thing is one of those zero-turn things, man, and it's got power. You crank that, woohoo! look out. It'll, it'll eat trees, right? So, man, I'm going after this field. Now I'm in there. I'm, I don't care how hot it is. I'm all, I look like something from the Sahara Desert. I'm all covered up, and, everything, and I'm out there, Dixie. Well, I'm cutting a five-acre plot. And I'm cutting it in a square because i got to have the, you know, the junk being thrown out this way. So I'm going through the six-and-a-half-foot stuff. i got goggles on under my sunglasses because I'm going half blind from all the stuff that's flying around, right? Well, I get down to the last two rows of the five acres, and I start seeing these big black things. I'm talking rats that could carry away young children. <laughs> and they don't want to run into clearing. They have now, they're in the last two rows, and they're hiding out in the high grass, and they don't want, and I'm like, 
Lord, what do I do with this? I know that they carry bubonic plague. I heard someone in North Carolina from the fleas that bite people, you can get bubonic plague. And Dr. Phil was telling me, you can get a lot of other things from rats. I said, I don't like rats. There's a lot of rats. I said, all right, here we go, Jesus. If anybody feels for rats, I'm sorry, but here's the deal. I'm feeling, now I'm on a mission where I don't want my kids exposed to bubonic plague. So I gun up the Dixie Chopper. And here we go. There's rat parts flying every which direction. Man, I'm saying, Lord, don't let him jump on this tractor, please. I'm going to bail out of my Dixie Chopper, and I just got it. And Lord, have mercy. There's dead rats all over this field. I'm like, Lord, what do I do now? Within 30 minutes, here comes the vultures. How do they smell that stuff? How do they? I don't know. Maybe they're trained by the farmers who got the other Dixie Choppers. I don't know. But pretty soon, we're having rodent stew all over the field. Dead. My wife looks out and goes, what are all those buzzards doing out there? I said, you don't want to know, honey. So I said, I like this. So I cut another five acres yesterday. Same deal. Holy moly. Here's the spiritual significance of this. If there is any, Okay. I think there is. At least I said, Lord, what, are you, what is that all about? He goes, you looked out in the morning. It's been two years since those fields were cut. It looked pretty, right? I said, well, yeah. It's when you cut down the weeds, you find out what's really down in there. And that's the application. What's really going on in the hardness of our hearts? What kind of weeds? He says, look, put on righteousness. We're going to have communion and This is a good place to kind of prepare us, but he tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit, but also not to stifle the Holy Spirit. I want to close just before we go to communion with the last verse here. Let's look at um, Matthew 18. As an application, I really, I've shared this, and I, I really believe it when I've seen it operate correctly. I see things happen really well in our, in our body in our families. Matthew 18 and let's look at verse 15. Let me read you the King James. Moreover, if your brother trespasses against you, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he will hear you, then you have gained your brother. We read it from the New, no, New Living. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you, go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Here's where... I don't know why it is with us, but we get hurt and we get wounded. I have seen this, I'm not exaggerating, too many times in the body of Christ, and this is part of the disunity that comes out. And if families would do this, we would have a whole lot more unity in families. Businesses are the same way. If someone says something, looks at you, accuses you, 
you feel offense. Jesus said it's impossible that you're not going to get offended, right? So you get offended by something. But what we normally do, and you challenge, I, I have to challenge myself, what we do with that is we take that, and usually the first thing we do is we go tell somebody else about what happened. You're not going to believe what Pastor Tom did today or what so-and-so did. And what we're saying is, one, well, we just want to process with them. That didn't say process first and then go. If we would stop and go to that person, what, what you just did or said, or look, I'm, I'm, a, I'm somewhat offended by it. I don't, I don't know. Help me understand what it is. If we would do that, we would find out that either what we saw, what we heard, or what we, or maybe it's legit, you called it out, they really did sin against you, and that person says, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry. Here again, it's not a Facebook, it's not a, what do they call it, Snapchat, I don't know what those things are. Anyway, it's not one. no, it's, let me talk, I'll pick on Bill for a minute. Bill, let's talk, what you said or did or said, man, I, was, I think I was hurt and offended by that. And Bill said, he might say, well, I didn't mean to do that. Well, you had it coming, Tom. Here's why I saw Really? And now, what's happening? In the, in the dialogue, he may be moving and I'm moving. We may not agree. We can say, look, Bill, we're going to just settle this. We'll settle it. That's it. I don't need to go get anybody else. Now, if it gets out of hand and you need to go get some assistance from some other leaders to bring it together, then do that. If we would do that, First of all, it's red letter. Jesus said, this is what you're supposed to do. So the question is, why aren't you doing it? And then we wonder why we reap all the discord and why we slime someone. Because if I, so let's say Bill did offend me, and I go, I go to Phyllis. I said, Phyllis, you're not going to believe this. Help me pray with me, sister. Pray with me, sister. i got to pray for Bill. You know, oh, baloney. This is what we've done. We just slimed Phyllis against Bill. So you, you can try to be mature and all that, but at the same time, there's something that's gone on there. Now, there may be legitimate sin that's big and ugly. I'm not talking about that. That stuff needs to rise to the right level of leadership, and they need to go after it. They need to do an evaluation. I'm speaking separately on the regular interaction of stuff that happens, families, businesses, and churches. So why don't we make a commitment? It would be really nice that when we take communion today, first forgive anyone who's got an offense, you've got an offense against. And if that's in the church, then do it right now before communion. But why don't we make a commitment, Lord, put a lock on. Didn't, didn't, I started with David, said, control my lips. Take control of my mouth, O God. James said, a man who can control his tongue is a spiritual man, right? So there's this place where we have to ask God to give us spiritual revelation, insight. But why don't we be, we talk about the Word. We say it's what we believe. Why don't we really, really make an attempt to do it? Go privately to that person. I believe we'll find out. When some of you know, um, knew Jean Weiss. She was one of our amazing ladies. I know she's in heaven now. She was here as an intercessor for so many years, a missionary. She was amazing. She would even have those old-fashioned typewriters, and she would type. 95% of the time, she was such an encouragement to me, especially when I was a new pastor. She'd, pastor, she'd call me up on Monday morning, Pastor, that was a great word. And 
I remember one Monday she called me up. She goes, Pastor, I don't agree with something you said yesterday in service. I said, what was that, Jean? Jean was trustworthy. You know what? I learned something from that. I went back and researched it. Because when a spiritual mama says, you need to look at that, I did. I, I learned some things from the I said, I see where you're coming from. At least I need to change the approach of how I deliver that, because if you got it that way, maybe somebody else did too. But it wasn't, pastors in heresy, we better pray for him. Let me get the intercessors wound up. No. Am I communicating? Because we're really after a move of the Spirit. The Lord is not going to command a blessing when there's all this stuff going on. Whether it's in the house or with your family or business partners, we need to get to a place where we don't have to agree, but we have to be open-hearted to express what's saying is true. And once we do that, I really believe God can then command a greater blessing because we want to see miraculous things happen. But if we got a bunch of people that are immature, Hebrews 5.14 says, mature believers have trained themselves, trained their senses to discern good and evil. If we will take our eyes and our ears and our mouth and our feet, like he said in Proverbs, and we would walk in that place, then God will command a blessing. We all want that. We want miracles to flow. We want an open house. We want people to come. And, but He can't come when we're still sucking on a bottle and we're not doing what the Word says. So I believe it's a time in our society where we're seeing it unravel in discord. We ought not to be like people. Like. We won't compromise the Word. We'll stand in truth, but we'll still love. We can express where we are in our faith and our belief, and we will still love you. And you're welcome to come here, but we won't compromise the truth as long as you're okay with that. And so let me have the communion table if uh, we could have that brought over. So let's just judge ourselves at this point. Paul said, if you will judge yourself, Jesus said, evaluate yourself then He doesn't need to judge us. So I've been convicted this week of saying things that I should not say to, about politicians, and I'm sorry for not doing what Romans 13 says, pray for those in authority. So, Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that Lord, if there's been places of conviction where the Holy Spirit has illuminated a particular area of your life, words that were said, thoughts or participation in things, Lord, I love what you decided was a good plan, that you would have us frequently come to the table and we would reflect on where we are as a body of believers and as individuals. So, Lord, if there's any that we have an offense with, I ask you to release the strategy of what needs to be done with that. If we have been tearing down people, gossiping or slandering, and Lord, I pray that it, I'm not responsible for what people say against us or me, but I am responsible for my response. Jesus didn't even open his mouth when they accused him. Pilate wanted to know, why aren't you defending yourself? 
Jesus was so secure in who He was as the Son of God, He didn't need to defend Himself. And the more secure we become in who we are in Christ, the less rejection we struggle with and the less need to defend ourselves. So, Lord, I pray for a maturity of us as believers, Lord, that we come and we ask that You would bring the revelation of that truth. I asked Brian about his, his uh, prophetic picture here this morning. He said he's been learning his Japanese because he's got nuclear accounts with the Japanese, right? And uh, there's a whole group of folks here, and the word was many. And so I believe there's a picture he did too that the Lord's coming back, and there's this place where many, you notice there's quite a different tribes of people there. So I believe that's an encouragement of hope. Why don't you stand and we'll be blessed. Don't, please don't uh, forget that we have a bake sale going for our uh, youth group. If you could uh, buy something sweet, make a donation, bless them. Our youth have been stepping up and helping us out with so many things, and I thank the Lord for that. Uh, Jesus' brother writes this, Jude. I think it's fitting. He says, this is in Jude 20, he says, Dear friends, build each other up. You must build each other up with your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit as we wait for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you eternal life. Now, all glory to God, who's able to keep you from falling, and He will bring you great joy into His glorious presence without a single fault. woo all glory to Him who alone is God our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, authority are His before all time, in the present, and beyond all time. Amen. So, Lord, I pray that that glorious presence of Christ, well, Lord, whatever you have on our agenda this week, Lord, as we pass through the mission field of the doors outside, may we be the carriers of glory. May you put a lock on our mouths. Would you put a meditation of truth in our hearts that we would do things that would be pleasing? And any time we start to step in a different direction, Lord, do not let us grieve or in any way stifle your spirit. Bring that revelation of us to that place where we just please you in what we say and what we do. And when people revile or judge us or condemn us or speak evil of us, we don't have to return. So, Lord, I thank you for a people and a group that are coming together, who are truly walking in the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, and peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, and lots of self-control. So I thank you, Lord. I pray right now. I prophesy Matthew 18 ability to deal with any offense. And we thank you, Lord. We want to be people and doers of the Word. And we thank you now in advance. In Jesus' name. God bless you all. Thank you. Have a great day.